Welcome to Profiles in Business. My name is Kyle Marshall. You know, Lloyd Hamshaw has been on this show now a couple of times. And so I thought for this go around to talk about his business, Real Recruitment, that we should focus a little bit on where the world is right now. And so he swung by the new studio space for Media Lab. We sat down and, well, we had this following conversation. Enjoy. Lloyd Hamshaw, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks, Kyle. Always a pleasure. I feel like we've gotten to know each other quite a bit here. This is now the third time that you've appeared here. I wanted to maybe just open this up, you know, just have that conversation, pretend we are actually like, uh, drinking maybe beers or something <laughs> at the pub. Sure. We have waters in front of us here right now, or so the uh, listening public thinks. I'm not about to tell them any different. That's right. That's right. So the year 2022, basically, you know, there's been ups, there's been downs as with it with any year. But as far as the hiring world, recruiting world, like what are some trends that you're noticing in 2022? It's actually quite crazy right now. Mm. There's a lot of people who companies who are looking to hire people and there's a shortage, I would say a shortage of really qualified staff out there right now. You know, I have one client, they're looking for three of a particular individual and it's, you know, it's going to be a challenge to find one, let alone three. And it's going to be much more of a, a headhunting role where I'm actually going to have to physically go out and quote unquote, steal them from the competitor. Places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there any sense of why that is like, is that a, is that a Calgary thing or that is like a North American thing that you're I seeing? think that's a North American thing. I mean, we went through a period in past couple of years of what they're calling the great resignation. Right where a lot of people have, you know, through whatever we went through in the pandemic, reevaluated their state of lives and decided that, you know, whatever they were doing doesn't work for them anymore and they needed to go and do whatever. And that's created a lot of opportunity and people trying to figure out what they want to do and how it's going to fit into their lives. And so they're actually being a lot more selective about what they end up going to do. Virtual is current. In-person is coming back. I'm not sure the staff wants to come back as fast as the company bosses want them to come back in person. That's the biggest like conflict that I can see because, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I, I think there is that impulse of like, from a business point of view, like, absolutely, we want to have everyone here. We want to be able yep. to collaborate. Like, I, I get that fundamentally. But also, I do see it from the, the, the employee side of things. Like, listen, I can do all my work here at home without, without having to drive 20, 25 minutes, find parking, find a babysitter potentially, or like all this other stuff yeah. that I don't really want to do in my life. And I can do it just as effectively just by staying at home. And not that it is your role to figure that out, but like, do you see any resolution to that conflict? It will slowly be worked out of the process. The Gen Xers are kind of going to be the leaders in this whole thing. As much as everyone says the millennials are going to be the ones that are the pressure point, it's going to be the Gen X that sort of tells what's going to happen next. I think a lot of the Gen Xers have found comfort in being able to decide that I can be just as effective and as efficient working mm -hmm. here at my own house and be around my dog. And, right. you know, if I can sit out on the pad on my deck and do work from out there and nobody knows the difference and be just as effective as if going into the office and spending my eight hour day there in a suit and tie and... <laughs> dealing with all the traffic. I will tell you this, this is very embarrassing, but you know, that whole year of 2020 where you know, things were shutting down, staying home for, for a longer period of time, I still vividly remember like as some things were starting to reopen up, <laughs> of being like, oh, like jeans feel so weird to put back on again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was so awkward. 
and the traffic. Yeah. I don't know how many people have told me it's like, I really miss 2020 because of the traffic. There was <laughs> like nobody, nobody on the road. Yeah, I could get anywhere I wanted to so fast. It's so fast. Yeah. yeah. Now everyone's out there and it's just so much slower. Now for you, like, are you noticing specific businesses, industries that are hitting the top of your, your list of, of who are looking for qualified candidates? So... I mean, I've been focused on technical recruiting specifically for in the legal accounting world, in engineering and such. And those are the ones that I'm seeing in a huge upswing in right now. And so that's where my primary focus is. Uh, I've been having a lot of conversations with different colleagues and they're seeing it right across the board, whether it's in manufacturing or customer service. They're seeing a huge demand for employees right across the board. The demand is quite high and there's just a lack of technical people out there who can fill those roles. If there was someone who was like graduating, let's say high school, or even they're in their first year of university, let's say, is there advice you would like have for them it's like hey like if you are looking to be a quality candidate or someone who has flexibility like these i think are the areas you should be focusing on so not like my 18 year old daughter <laughs> yeah right actually no these this is the same advice i gave to my 18 year old daughter anything in in stem science technology engineering mathematics right that's where the opportunities lie that's where the growth industries are that's where you get the flexibility that's where the demand is and that's where the demand is going to be long term my wife and i are are, are lucky enough to have a, a son who is now working in san francisco in the uh, in the tech sector down there we can dispute or talk about the quality of the work life down there yeah yeah but in terms of actual work opportunity uh him as an engineer it's there's no stopping where he can potentially go. What are some of the good things that have been happening for you and your company here over the last year? It's just been a real increase in demand for recruiting. Um, we have gotten more, I'm not going to say selective, uh, but we used to come from a point of view where we were like, well, let's get 15 recruits on our books so we can be working on 15 different job orders so we can place five. And now we're getting to the point where we're actually like, let's just get five good quality recruits and we'll work on placing all five of those. Right, right. Right. And we're being much more diligent and much more focused on just getting this smaller number in there. Like why, I could why actually. Was, why go, was that change implemented? Success, stress levels. It's easier to manage five than it right. is try to manage 15. And you just, you feel more successful. Your clients are clearly going to be more happy satisfied that way. And then the other opportunity that we've got going on is that we're working with a couple of other companies that uh, in the networking group that you and I are a part of, and uh, we've got a client that we're working on developing and fixing their culture for them. Which is great. I, I was going to, I wanted to bring that up anyways, but that kind of mini group that you're a part of, CultureVox, like, I guess maybe just explain a little bit about what that is first. So CultureVox is where as a recruiting firm, an HR firm, and a leadership development firm, we've gotten together and decided we can help companies improve their company's culture. And we will go in and we will consult and help them develop a good, strong, engaging company culture where they're building towards some kind of success, the success that they're looking for. Obviously, selling culture is hard. Nobody wants to talk about culture necessarily, especially when they feel their culture is toxic. But there are a number of indicators of what a toxic culture would look like. Companies with high turnover, companies that are struggling to hire, companies that are, you know, noticing lack of engagement, lack of leadership, or the leaders just don't know how to lead. For a client like that, like who is it that is reaching out to you? Is that the CEO? Is that HR? Like who is it that actually that is coming to you to come in and, and help out? 
it can be anywhere from we're focused on smaller companies. Yeah. Typically, there'd be anywhere from an in, ten employee company to about a fifty person employee company, and it would come from the you know through the hiring managers. It would come through the um, the president themselves if they actually recognize some of these issues. I think I easily think the biggest leverage point for most companies, especially when they're that size, is they're not very strong on their their policies and procedures. That's where they're going to get tripped up on a lot of this stuff, especially the way things have been changing over the past couple of years with, do we mandate vaccines? Do we not mandate yeah. vaccines? Do we, you know, do we have to have masks in our office? Do we not have masks in our office? Those are all policies and procedures that if you're not on top of it, become opportunities of leveraging point and opportunities for you to have a conversation, whether it be with CultureVox as a whole or any one of us within the team. I mean, it's obviously not a magic bullet either, but like how long of a process do you envision that being. I'm anticipating potentially two to three years right. for us to get them going in the, the direction they're going because there's usually so many building blocks that we're building up on. Is it something that you have to like work on like the executive or like the higher levels first and then bring it down or is it bottom up? Like how would you it's kind of both, sure. actually. Pincher maneuver, you're coming from both sides, yeah. yeah. First and foremost, working with the senior team to develop that vision, mission statement, understanding that any decisions that the executive group is making is coming from that standpoint. And then it's selling that vision, mission statement to the employees so that they buy into it, so they have the engagement, so that they know that what they're doing is got purpose, it's got a desired outcome, and it's driving towards something more meaningful than quote unquote, just coming in here and going, oh, yep, I filled out that form, I put it on this pile. Coming back into like that recruiting area, like your area of expertise, if I am that person who like, you know, I have these skills, I just don't know how to get in front of these places I know I would be great at. Like, I want to be with these types of companies. Like, what is the advice you have for them first? Like, obviously, we want them to come to you, but like, what can they be doing so that they are that attractive candidate when when you can partner them up with that company? I actually had a conversation coming over here with a with an HR specialist who is in the midst of trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And from my standpoint, for a candidate, having the right connection with the right recruiter is positive and all recruiters have a specialization. So find the recruiter that specializes in your specialty. But more importantly, recruiters are only aware of a very finite number of jobs. And unless we have a job that you're the perfect fit for, we don't really spend a whole lot of time with you. You can spend all your time focused on advertising yourself on Indeed, on Workopolis, Calgary, you know, all the different job boards. And I would strongly suggest you keep doing that, but I'd only put in about 20, 25% of your time into that. The rest of it is networking because I'm absolutely convinced if there's 50 jobs for a particular position, for the type of role being posted, there's easily another 50, if not more that are not being advertised. So you need to leverage your network. You need to get out and have a conversation. Now, Kyle, if you were looking for work and I would say, you say, I've told everyone in my network that I'm looking for work. And I'm like, then they clearly don't have a job for you. Because <laughs> sure, they would sure. have hired you by now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next step is to go back to that same network and get them to connect them to their network, right? right? Taking that quote unquote spider web approach that, and I'm convinced, you know, everyone understands six degrees of separation or six degrees of Kevin Bacon, however you want to phrase right. it. I think most people in this city right now are probably two or three connections away from their next job. Now, I want to work with Kevin Bacon, though. So how did, how, how can I make that work? <laughs> Start with your network. Yeah, that's Start right, that's asking, right. do you know Kevin Bacon? Well, no, I don't know Kevin Bacon, but I do know this talent agent. You know, it is, it is, I think, a really great piece of advice. This is something that I've noticed about 
just the way you ask a question where you think you're asking the same thing, but you actually aren't, which is like, hey, I'm I'm ready and available, right? Like, uh, I, give me a job. I'm ready to, for jobs. But as soon as you say, I'm looking for this job, people are like, oh, I know someone who needs something like yep. that. For some reason, it just flips their brain yep. to be like, oh, I actually do know someone. I don't know why I didn't think about them before. Well, and that was the the key that piece of documentation that I've given to a lot of candidates is I tell them, you always bring your resume to whatever conversation you're having, but you don't give it to them unless they've asked for it. But what you do give them is a piece of paper that I would argue that on the left-hand side, you put down all your successes. I've worked at company ABC. I've had these two or three successes. I've worked at XYZ and I've had these two or three successes. And then on the other side, you put down basically your most wanted list. And you've actually done the research and sitting down. So if you and I were sitting down, Kyle, you would have gone on my LinkedIn to see who I'm connected with. Right. So when you ask me, Lloyd, can you connect me with somebody? And you've given me this piece of paper and you've told me these are the 10 companies who want me to connect you with. I'm going to go, oh yeah, I know somebody at CNRL. Right, right, right. Let me introduce you. You're lit. It's lit. That's the old lawyer trick. You never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. <laughs> right, right, right. You're handing them the answers. You're giving them the key to what you're actually looking for. Even though you're actually making the very general statement about who can you connect me with, you've actually asked them quite directly. You want to be connected with somebody at CNRL. In a previous life, when I was doing more sales and stuff like that, there was someone who gave me advice about how using the phrase, wouldn't it be nice if this thing could do this thing? And like, oh, well, look at this. It can actually do this thing. They just yep. mentioned it. Just lead them right to it. I want to just quickly ask about like the flip side, about like the employer's side of things. And um, I will be upfront and say like, because I'm in a lot of like arts, entertainment, that kind of stuff, it's always so fascinating to see people in my network post things about like, hey, we want someone like an, an entry level editor for this position must have had three years experience. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> not really entry level then at that point. And so sometimes we get frustrated because like, hey, like I probably could do this, but I don't fit like all these parameters that you're posting up on the job site. So is that um, a disconnect, I guess, from the employer side of things? Or is there any way that you actually help employers be like, let's narrow this down and see who you actually need? So when I'm having a conversation with a client, with a company, and we're going through their job description, I know personally that this is their ideal, right? Yeah. And anytime I'm placing a a candidate, the, the likelihood I'm hitting all their warm and fuzzy spots is very slim. I'm generally looking for trying to hit 75 to 80% of them. So as a job seeker, take the same kind of approach. And typically, you know, those top Three to five things on the must-haves are what they really want to see. There might be a little bit wiggle room there. You gave the three-year example. Okay, I only have a year and a half. I would say apply. You've got nothing to lose, right? You're close, but you're more entry-level than not. (laughs) True. I think it's one of those things that people want to hit like 100% of everything that is in the the advertisement. It's like, well... Yeah, you should have some of it, but like maybe yeah. you don't have to worry about every single check mark. But the other, the flip side yeah. of that whole thing is don't just apply for anything just because right. you think it, because you also will get noticed very quickly as being someone who's not qualified and applying for everything. And that just become you just end up into the wrong quote unquote bin. <laughs> the blacklist. Yeah. The blacklist. That's yeah. right. I guess just to, to round things out, are there any like predictions or anything that you have as far as 
what the next few months are going to look like. This mm-hmm. is always dangerous because like no one can tell the future. Yeah, I was going like, say, you want me to pull out the crystal ball <laughs> that yeah, is right, as cloudy right. as uh, everybody else's? Everything I'm hearing is that it's just, it's going to be, you know, there's still going to be a high demand for people. However, the flip side of that coin is what is inflation going to do right. to that? I'm already hearing conversations from some of my colleagues, specifically out in Ontario, that they're seeing inflation actually working against companies hiring. They're like, it's getting too expensive to hire so we're just not going to hire. We're going to make do with what we have. Yeah, it, that is going to be a negative trend at some point, and it's going to kick in. And similarly, the supply chain problems are also going to be another negative effect on whether or not. I mean, the the prime example was I was look I was I saw a car exa- a car ad last night, and it was for come in and place your order for a car. Where easily, what, six months ago, it was come in and pick out the car you want. Now it's come in and place your order for a car. You know that the supply issues are going to have a negative effect on any employees in that organization. If people wanted to you know, read up more about you, see what you're doing online, is there easy ways for them to do so? We have Real Recruitment website, realrecruitment.ca, Real Recruitment's on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. You can see it's just look up Lloyd Hamshaw. That's mm-hmm. easy to find. There's, I'll be honest with you. I'm the only one out there in the globe with the name Lloyd Hamshaw. Okay. So, and that's not an invitation to scammers to duplicate me. It should be pretty easy to find. Perfect. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks, Kyle. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. All the links to follow up with Lloyd are in the show notes. Until we speak again, have a great day. Uh